Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up on this edition of TV Black Box, exclusive details on the new renovation show for Channel 7 that's likely to feature Dr Chris Brown. Nine's director of Morning TV gets into a biffo with News Corp and American TV adopts the Aussie model for reality TV shows. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is, of course, TV Black Box. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. Welcome to TV Black Box. It's great to have your company for another week in the podcast. It's like it's like going to a meditation clinic. No arguments, just lots of love. Hello, TV presenter David Robinson. Oh I think I've gone into the wrong meditation room. This is not the one I signed up on. I want a bit of biffo here, please. <laughs> well, if you want biffo, there's no better than TV Black Box producer Abby Mickelson. Oh, come on. <laughs> you can talk. Yes. Ain't that the truth? I might even let you get a word in this week. Please, I would love that. No, hello, everyone, and I am recording on Karingai Land tonight and would like to pay my respects to the Aboriginal elders of this land, past and present. And full apologies, Abby. I think I had the conversation in our head before we actually had it. No, you've never <laughs> done that before. Uh, the viewers advocate Steve Mulk is also here. Hello, Mulky. Oh, hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. I'm recording tonight on the land of the duck and Jong Mob, and I extend uh, my um, honour and, and stuff to the uh, traditional owners of the land. And I would like to say I have uh, a list of grievances over last week's episode that I need to raise at the appropriate time. Hey, um, we've got to talk ratings from Monday night because, Mark, I think it would be fair to say that shock horror blow up failed to rise to the top of the ratings. Yeah, that balloon burst before it even got off the uh, in the canister. <laughs> Good um, boy. We're, we're, in, we're in an interesting situation where it's sort of the tail end of Farmer Wants a Wife, which is Sunday nights. The summit launched against it and did sort of 400-ish, which is great, okay, but not great. And it continued that into Monday, mm. hidden behind MasterChef, I have to say. MasterChef has lifted in the absence of Farmer Wants a Wife and the other competition um, to do good business. 552, 570 Metro uh, on Monday night. But, yeah, the real story is Seven's Blow Up Australia uh, failed to inflate. 288,000 viewers for the <laughs> yeah. five-city Metro. Ding. I'm working all the puns, don't you worry. <laughs> um, and that's that's unfortunately continuing the trend that we were noting last year that Seven have a tough go when it comes to launching new formats. They just can't get them to stick. Well, I think Million Dollar Island will do pretty well. No. but the problem... They will be hoping no. so. I, I no. want to acknowledge it, it, off the oh top, God. though, that this is decidedly it, cheaper than the summit. Like this I'll is right now, Stephen Curry and Becky work. Lucas in a studio compared to a whole bunch of people and crew on the side of a mountain in New Zealand. Yeah, but th this was their Lego Masters, and this is the problem. They've no, looked for a Lego not Masters. their Lego Masters, mate, let me tell you. It's their well, attempt at it. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. This was their attempt at Lego Masters. It, it hasn't worked, and anyone who saw this concept went, this ain't going to work, and... It'll be interesting to see whether Million Dollar Island comes forward early, but that's going to be a mistake if it goes up against the summit because you've got mm, like for like. Two sames. Unlike you, Robbo, 
I'm really looking forward to Million Dollar Island. I really like the summit and I'm really looking forward to Million Dollar Island as well. Yeah. This is a misstep. Blow up is a misstep by seven. It's a huge misstep uh, and, and you're right. It's just not going to work. The, these formats, uh, they're in the bubble. And I'm going to talk a lot about the bubble tonight because of the topics that we've got coming up. Mm. Obviously, I don't know what they are. Uh, we don't have a rundown. We're very free and flowing here on Tiki Black Box. But it's all ad-lib. I just feel, it's all ad-lib. I just feel that I'm going to be talking a lot about the TV bubble waters. here tonight. In my waters, it's the TV bubble. Um, and and uh, Blow Up was one of those things in the TV bubble. And I, that's going to be my thing tonight. If you're playing a drinking game, every time I mention the TV bubble, have a mm. drink. Um, it's the same kind of thing. Million Dollar Island will not work. I've said that ever since the TV black box uh, it told us that this was going to happen on seven. I don't think Million Dollar Island will work. I think it's another another um, a show that seven won't be able to get up off because it is just part of the TV bubble. We'll talk about that more in a moment. I'm taking a five dollar bet with you, uh, Robbo, if you can afford it. Uh- <laughs> wow! You know, I, you know I can't. Let's make that two dollars fifty. Let's make it uh, coins. $2.50. <laughs> uh, I'll do double. I'll tell you what, yep. I'll put $5 up against your two fifty. But you have, to put, you have to put a, a target for success because you can both disagree yes. or agree what success yeah. is. You need a number. I, I oh. think the panel is quite good at determining whether something's been successful or not. I'll leave it to the TV black nah, box No, hang panel. on. That's that's a little bit of weaselish stuff there, Rob. I think mm. that given that 400 is the new okay, it did all right, and then 600 is amazing. 400 it is. Uh, I'm, 400. All right. For, for the first show or for the whole thing? First episode show? two. Always Epi- episode no, two. Episode two, I'm going to go 350. It'll fail. It won't It won't grab it. Let's let's see how it goes. I, I'm saying it's going to do around 400, the whole I'm series. I'm keen to see Million Dollar Island. I think the promos have helped, though. I, I am struggling with Ant Middleton. I thought Ugh. Stephen Curry and Becky Lewis are doing, Lucas are doing their absolute best in blow up, and it is yeah. a tough room. Can I quick? Yeah, sorry, Mark. Can I quickly say on Million Dollar Island, Mr. Warburton? Um, obviously, I'm here to be bought. Um, if you think that I should really, really show this off, I know you're a long time listener, um, Mr. Warburton. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Million Dollar Island, a million dollar idea. Can't wait to see it. It's going to be huge. It just. Just you're just sounding a bit desperate, Robbo. Well, I need That's to pay for channel, that two dollars fifty. That two dollars fifty is not going to pay for, pay itself, for his it? bet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we will see what happens now. To an exclusive, do we finally have the details of Dr. Chris Brown's new project at Channel Seven? Well. At the day that we're recording TV Black Box, today I exclusively revealed on the website the name of Seven's new renovation show. Dream Home is what it will be called. It will be produced by Endemol Shine Australia and will launch in 2024. Now, look, it's based on a New Zealand show that aired from 1999 to 2013 that saw two couples working together to renovate a home. Now, though Seven are keeping tight-lipped on who the host will be... I'd put another $5 on the fact it's going to be Dr. Chris Brown's <laughs> Robbo, will you take that bet? Money I bags. absolutely will. I absolutely will because this sounds like another boring renovation show that also will not rate. How many more renovation oh, I shows did. I came to does you on Dr. this Chris show Brown. I'm going I'm to abort. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, but, I, but no, I was using Chris Brown as a way to get my beige train through to get to my beige points that I believe that another renovation show really, is this what television needs? Is this now, the TV I, bubble, Robbo? This is another TV bubble. I'll tell you why, Mock. <laughs> a, a few episodes ago, we were talking about, um, you know, television and what it will give us in the future. Mm. Now, if you think about morning television, um, what, do we, what do we see on there? Lots of uh, neighbours, lots of flying doctors, lots of a country practice, lots of really mm. great things that television has given us in the past couple yes. of years. Koshi um, that, as that, simply an accountant. 
That's right, but this won't mm. be there though because of shows like this. So morning television won't exist in the future because of shows like this that don't give us any kind of moments anymore and that's the problem. We keep going for these shows which are renovation shows and dating shows and island shows and whatever. Where is Australian television going to be in the future where we don't have moments anymore? That's what I'm trying to say. So yes, Seven's going to commission this other renovation show where we put together people who need to make you know a, a which project they have better. confirmed I, I want to be really clear on this they have yes. confirmed that yes, they are making this show called dream home yeah, the course. only thing they haven't confirmed is dr chris brown's involvement yes, uh, of right. course but I, i'm kind of going off on a little tangent here about uh, about what is television and 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 i think this is just another wasted space of going through to a renovation show um, where it'll give us no moments in the future. This is low-nutrient television or actually zero-nutrient television that will go towards anything in the past. To be honest, though, the networks don't care about having segments in the morning show 15 years down the track. They're more worried about driving audiences to primetime right now and they think Dr Chris Brown, allegedly, and this show can do that, Abby. I do think... I agree with Robbo mostly. The one thing I will say, I watched a very quick bit of this show tonight, the New Zealand version of this show, and the one point of difference that it did had, which was did have, which was kind of cool, and I hope that they keep, was the ability for audiences to vote. So it must have been done in a somewhat not live, but a very quick turnaround wow. because the audiences would vote on who did the best room and then that person would win that challenge. I, I, don't I reckon think... we can safely say that won't be part of I this. I know, the which is why don't I... don't do it anymore. Yeah, which is why I agree with Robbo that it's just going to be the same thing. I also, like, I'm not the biggest Chris Brown fan. I don't dislike him. I'm just very... Doctor, doc, Dr. Chris oh, Brown. Oh, sorry, Doctor. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Dr. Chris Brown. Sorry, Dr. Brown. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty impartial on him. I do think he's an odd choice for a renovation show yeah. because what is his it's expertise in that? Hang on. He did the living room, which was a life he did the animal section yeah, of that. No, no. What is yep. his expertise in renovation? There were yeah. renovations on the living room. Yeah, would well, yeah, Gary do that? Wasn't he was that carried Barry's by thing? the other people. He was God. the animal person. That was his role. He's now stepping into a renovation So people can't role. evolve. Well, he doesn't <laughs> have any have expertise. <laughs> I'm not going to go to Dr. Chris Brown for advice on how to renovate a house. But can well, I go back to, can I go to the fact... Yeah, well, can I go back to the fact, though? <laughs> Dr. Chris Pratt, I get what Abby's saying, and I think I'm going to kind of extend on that. He, he is not a host, at, you know, in total. He is not a host. He's always been the second person to the real host. Julia, yeah, but do you know on... what? All you need is someone to get you from point A to point B. He's a great... I think he's a really good presenter. I don't know why there is so much hate on the TV Black Box podcast There's not hate. Times. It's just I don't boring. Hate him. His I just, last yeah, name is Brown. I believe that his maiden name was Beige. Like, we haven't <laughs> moved a lot from there. <laughs> Who do we pair him with, Rob? Because he can't, he won't, he, he will need to have someone to host it. Why with. does he? Can't he? Host. Because Joanna he will Rig- not Joanna be able Griggs to hold did that. house rules by herself. Sure, but Griggsy's great. And when Griggsy got into house rules, she had she was Love a seasoned Griggsy. performer, known to, to the it. seven audience. Oh my like goodness. there was all the reasons why Chris that Brown was going to work. A seasoned performer, not, not known himself. to the seven audience, and not, not anywhere near the chops that Joe Griggs has. Like he is, he is. Uh, uh, hey, a, a I'm not going to. I'm not going to ever. Um, Put Joe Griggs down. She is an idol of mine, and I love her. Sure, but love Joe. at the end of the day, I um, I, I think Chris Brown is great. He's fine. Oh, and and I, that's all, that's what I'm we're going for. We're going for fine. fine. Robbo is for fine. Robbo's yeah. saying he's 
I'm just saying, who are they going to pair him with? Because he will not host it by himself if allegedly he does host it. I disagree. How many shows do we need Endemol Shine Australia to make on Australian television these days? I think, if my numbers are correct, that's about its ninth. I think that's a fair question. And you could argue that things become a bit of same-same. Oh, very same-same. Look, it's interesting. When I did an interview with Hamish Turner, which went in this podcast feed over the weekend. Yes. I asked him about the commissioning process and basically he agreed with the idea that they're never going to make a show with, you know, you, you can't just go up to a programmer with a show and they'll commission it. That happens in the US. They yep. will actually give new people and new producers oh. a go. Mm. But not in Australia. Unless you're going through one of those big production companies, they will not commission it. Why is that, do you think? I find that interesting. I think it's fear. And security. Yes, it's about security, Mulk. It's also about that they can only commission, I don't know, 10 primetime shows a year. I don't know what the number is. Hmm. Um, But if one of those flops or doesn't deliver... It's a major issue. And this is why this is why they're relying on formats from around the country. They're only dealing with the big players. I mean, the production companies in Australia are laughing all the way to the bank <laughs> because nothing gets True. made without them. True. The networks aren't making their own stuff. Seven shut up Seven Studios. They were the only ones making their own products, yep. making the their Summit, own shows. The Summit is being made as a co-pro with Nine. But I absolutely acknowledge, Rob, you're correct, that largely 7, 9 and 10 are not making their own programs. They're outsourcing that whole that whole kit to Endemol Shine Australia and a couple of others. And what is the big problem for any company trying to create a streaming service? It's about owning content, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. And so all the shows being made aren't owned by the people who are airing them and getting the publicity. Now, this was the same problem when Netflix first came and everyone went, money to be made, let's give it all to Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now companies are actively making the choice not to give it to Netflix or take those content rights away because they're trying to build their own streaming services. And the problem is they gave Netflix a free run. What is the future of Australian TV? Who owns the content? So a stand is going to have to continue to buy and invest in its own programming. Stan is co-financing so many US shows and making their own shows because they know they need content. But where does that leave a nine now? Where does it leave a seven plus? Yes, you get the streaming rights while the show's on air. And most of the stuff on seven plus, please correct me if I'm wrong, or the historical stuff is stuff they made while when they made the content. Like yep. All Saints and, and Home and Away. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Those yep. streaming that the networks free to the free to wear network streaming services, nine now, ten play, seven plus, largely become fast channels. They just become yeah. here's a whole bunch of old content that you can press play on or just turn onto the channel on, on our on seven plus or whatever, and we will give you all of the country practice, all of the blue healers, all of the whatever it is. Um I, I think with credit what I would to say, Stan, Mark, to that, yes. though, is presumably the networks are doing better digital streaming rights deals as part of any negotiation for any new show. Mm. But long term, what is that? Yeah, and, and look, I would expect that Stan slash Nine, in 
co-producing or co-owning these shows that they're making with overseas partners and all of those sorts of things, I, I'm you would guarantee that in the streaming rights and and second run, even third run rights, they would maintain something within the Australian footprint to allow that to be on Nine Now or something eventually, or even just stay and stand. Of course, they want to keep that library. It also plays to stand trying to head off any possible legislation that could land on them around you have to be making this, you know, Australian content, all of that hullabaloo that got delayed. Here's Stan going, we're already doing it. You don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, but so is Netflix. That's their whole argument. You don't need to regulate us because their argument is, it's a, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but mm. they're just quickly on that. The streamers are saying, we already make more. If you impose a 20%, well, we'll only make 20%. And meanwhile, the free-to-air networks are saying you imposing content quotas on these streamers is going to force up production costs because everyone's using the same pool of talent. Yeah, it's a no-win situation. It's tough. Mm. All right, the breakfast television wars have heated up following an article in the Daily Telegraph which drew attention to the Today Show's apparently declining numbers. They reported the year-to-date average national audience of today was around 271,000 and Sunrise at a 34% lead with 363,000. The article claimed executives were worried about the new lineup of Carl Stefanovic and Sarah Arbo and, and the fact that it wasn't connecting with viewers. Stephen Burling, director of Morning TV... Well, he got a little angry about it and put out a statement (laughs) saying the story published by News Corp Australia today is a total fabrication and a distortion of the old-fashioned and out-of-date overnight rating system. We are in a good position with Today and Today Extra in metropolitan and East Coast audiences and in the all-important younger demos. Our team is working brilliantly together and our audience response to the lineup couldn't be more positive. In an additional tweet from the show's official account, they said... We usually don't respond to that rubbish, but it's time to draw a line in the sand. Seven has hit back, speaking to news.com.au, saying that the numbers are accurate. They also argued Sunrise leads in the 25 to 54s, contrary to today's statement. Uh, Mulk, it is a game of ratings, numbers at high paces. This is the PR Jedi's hard at work, and I just want to say off the top, those numbers you quoted in the intro are national numbers, not five-city metro numbers. Correct. So straight away, we're in this... But that's, that's the figures seven play with them. Of course well, it is, but this there. is the challenge. And mm. and I absolutely acknowledge that the, 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 the regional audience is an, an important part of it. They watch TV. That's great. So few advertisers buy national advertising campaigns that go into regions. Frankly, it is not a level playing field. You cannot get that balance out because seven's footprint is much bigger than nines and tens. Like, they just have localised bits all around the place. Yes, nine and ten are available in regional areas, but not like seven are in regional areas. And in part, that's because seven bought them up, right? Yeah. Now, the so we have to talk five-city metro numbers. It does not improve it for today at all. In fact, I would say that their average is about twenty to 30,000 a morning behind sunrise every day, five city. But, metro. of course, the argument from nine is that on the East Coast they're kicking goals, and especially sure. in Brisbane where they're often winning, yes. and they even get wins in other cities like Melbourne as well. Yes, and, and look, this is, again, we start to segment what suits us to make sure that we promote it, and we acknowledge again that the East Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane numbers – are important because that is where the absolute majority of the five-city metro market is. Adelaide and Perth are at best sitting at the kids' table. Now, 
to be fair, we, we go with five city Metro because that gives us a bit of a broader picture and seven, uh, like there is no channel nine in Perth. There is, but there is no channel nine. Mm. Um, and in Adelaide, it's been a big tussle between seven and nine for the longest time. So how do we even this out? How do we get a full understanding and, do we even care what Voz is saying in that? What's the BVOD overnights to that? Well, <laughs> Not going to be teams. <laughs> that was the one issue I took with Burlow's statement in the idea that digital audience would change it. There might be some live streaming, no, but not news not for and morning. a breakfast show when it comes yeah. to catch-up numbers are non-existent. Yeah, well, remembering that Voz is BVOD. It's not catch-up. So it's just people who have opened up a device and they're watching the Today Show or Sunrise live to air through a streaming device. So that's not catch up where they've gone. I'm going to watch this morning sunrise at 11 a.m. Um, but shouldn't th- Voz be that? No, no. This is this is the challenge. Voz is overnight ratings data because um, uh, that includes the overnight B Vods. But catch up. How many people have recorded a thing and then go and watch it within? In this case, even 12 hours of it airing. So I think few a, people that uh, not it's the breakfast shows, dismissible. but I think when it comes to a lot of TV shows, people would watch it. Oh, like you week? might take yes. Survivor and watch MasterChef. Well, same network. You might watch MasterChef <laughs> and, um, and and take the summit and then sure. as soon as MasterChef's finished, watch the summit. There would be a small audience that do that, Rob, though not many. And what, they, what we see is in the total TV, the seven-day figures, obviously we get a better representation of that because that allows people to bank it and go, I'm going to watch all three episodes of the summit on Saturday. Because that's, that's yeah, what suits my Yeah, but I've got ADHD lifestyle. and I've moved on by then. Uh, Robert, what did you want to say? I've moved on from this conversation with my ADHD. I'll tell you right now. Uh, let's go back to uh, we're playing that drinking game where TV bubble. Um, if if the bubble? casting's not working, the casting's not working. So I think we need to move on from this idea of if you've been with a network or a network for a long period of time, you're owed some kind of promotion. That's got to move on because that doesn't mean Mm. that because you have been there, you are owed something. Sometimes presenters or reporters Mm. or journalists are not going to be suitable for something that's moving forward. Are you talking about Sarah Arbo? Because I actually think she's really growing into the role. But, but, But growing into the role is fine for, from your point of view, clearly not from the audience point of view. This is my problem with TV and the TV bubble is that people at, um, I was about to say Willoughby, oh, God rest its soul, I was lucky to visit there once. <laughs> North um, Sydney but, now, um, <laughs> North Sydney now, I understand that. Uh, I was going to say Epping, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wipe a tear, tear from my eye. The only thing that exists there now is something called Seven Street. What a joke. Anyway, <laughs> um, what I want to move on from there is that there, this, this idea that you need to be promoted because you've been there for a while does not suit and it's not working. And that's but- my problem. But how long do you give someone that? Because I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, though I do actually really like Sarah Arbo in the role. I think she's fantastic. But speaking fantastic. generally, yeah. how long do you give someone? Because but you it's don't always give them that right in the people... first place. You don't give them, sorry, Abby, you don't give them that right in the first place. Sarah Arbo is great on 60 Minutes. She was a great journalist. She is a great journalist. But does she suit that kind of morning TV role? Now, yes, Rob is saying that she's growing into it. I get that. You're mm-hmm. saying how long do you give someone? I get that. My point is that how long do we persist with this idea that if you've been with a network for so long, if you've done all of the work, then obviously you deserve to be given these roles. I don't think that suits anymore and it doesn't bloody work and that's Yes, my if I was casting I certainly wouldn't limit myself to it having to be someone within the network and I'm not talking to, about though, Sarah right? here. But you have to. No, I, I think any producer should actually say I want the best person on my show. Sarah what? was basically a new Who is kid. that? She'd but been with 60 Minutes for two or three years. She is new to nine. So 
maybe they genuinely thought she was the best person for the job. And I think she is. The difficulty, I completely agree, Robbo, that, you know, the, 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 the days of Nepo babies is long gone when it comes to television and <laughs> we shouldn't even lean into it. The, the challenge is that, as we've discussed many times before, Sunrise Today, your morning breakfast programming, it's turning a cruise ship. It does not turn quickly. Yep. And Sarah's on, only been in the chair for about four to five months so yeah. the audience is still getting to know her and getting to see what her chemistry with Carl is like. I think it's too early. It's baby out with the bathwater stuff to go, oh, we need to change everything, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. We need to give her a chance for her and Carl to work it out. I think in my just sort of, you know, tacit viewing of both Sunrise and Today, that to what Today offer is less familiar than Seven because we're seeing a lot of familiar faces because they do good at that. Well, here's Sherbo, who's been doing this forever, and now he's basically yeah. filling in for Koshi, and he's obviously the heir apparent. So when Koshi does decide Seven to step away, introduce Sherbo's in. really well, Mulk. And they... Sean's doing a great job of keeping that ship running, right? Like he and, um, oh, damn it, who's the head Sarah. of morning television? Sarah, thank you. Uh, are doing a great job of keeping that thing afloat. And Burlo and his team are doing a great job of trying to keep today running. The difficulty is, this is my problem with today, Carl looks out of place now. Sarah is doing a great job, and Carl doesn't look like he fits. Mm, that's, I don't know hey, if I agree with you with that's on just that, my but view, fair right? enough. All right, things are changing at the ABC with the announcement of a massive internal restructure. They outline the major priorities as creative first with a strong focus on engagement with audiences, simplicity with accountability, senior leaders who are empowered to deliver the right outcomes for audiences in challenging times, and a focus on transformation and digital advancement, including technology and creative prioritisation with ABC iView and ABC Listen. Other changes include the establishment of a new digital-first content division overseen by Chief Content Officer Chris Oliver-Taylor. Heads of drama and comedy are going to be combined as head of scripted. Entertainment and Indigenous will become standalone departments and children's will become children's and family. Robbo, this all makes sense to me. I think this is great. The national broadcaster needs to be resilient and malleable, and that's what they're doing. This is fantastic stuff um, coming from them. Um, they're releasing what the market needs, and they're adapting to that. This is what we need from our national broadcaster. If we were still uh, dealing with their ways of doing things, you know, from even five, ten, even two years ago, I think, um, this is something that needs to be done, and they're adapting. This is fantastic stuff. If And, and at the end of the day, what I read from this was, that you're getting content from Australia um, and and content that Australians want to see easily put onto the national broadcast, that that's what we want. We want something that's easy. We want something that's quicker. And, and this is fantastic. I think this is a really good thing that they're doing and, and, and they're working towards uh, yeah. giving Australians what they need. Mark. The, the ABC's every, every and any screen strategy has been in place for some time. And I think this is just a continuation of it. A little bit of tweaking in the middle around how we line up our divisions and all that sort of thing, I think is, you know, restructure that'll happen. It has, it has offered Nick Hayden uh, a promotion. And I think that he's come a long way from uh, Hungry Beast and look at him now, mate. He's in charge of, is it entertainment? I think he scored uh, as, as the, the, the person in charge of that. And he's doing a great job. He's done a great job on the stuff that he's been EPing so far. Um, uh, the the challenge for the ABC, and I and I want to just pick up on your um, 
you know, the adapting sort of stuff, Robbo, I think this is the ABC actually showing the other networks in Australia. They're leading. This Correct. is how you yep. do it. Yep, this yep, is yep. how you go. We are not having, it's not only about linear broadcast, but it's about here is our content for anybody at any time. Easy so to do seeing, that when you've got government money. Oh, yeah, but Rob, they are like a shadow of the figment of a smell of an oily rag exactly. to 7, 9 oh, and 10. They, they've had a budget increase, and, and but that's yes, not even they the have, argument. Finally. I, I, think, I think this... What they're doing is right. The biggest problem for the ABC right now is radio. People are not listening to ABC radio in any form. Triple J's cooked. There's no question. Double J's cooked. Triple J's done. That's got to go. But even Radio National, even their, um, you know, ABC Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne's and Perth and Adelaide's, they're not rating. Something has happened to the direction of ABC radio where it's not connecting with audiences. And and you look at, and yes, I work for 4BC, 9 Radio, but... You know, ABC used to be a real competitor when it came to that talkback space, and it's Mm. just nowhere to be seen anymore. They messed with the formula. They went to pairs in breakfast and juggled the things around. And again, particularly radio is something that you want welded on primarily in the car, right? You don't want anyone changing the the, the channel because they'll never come back, ostensibly. And that's where, like, when I'll I'll go ABC Brisbane because I was around when that was a thing. Spencer Housen won how many bajillion breakfast slots as the ABC breakfast host because he did everything that ABC local radio charter determined that he needed to do, and that was be hyper-local and talk about Brisbane issues and be engaged in that, and it was a single voice that people could connect with. They were having a conversation with Spencer. Nobody really wants to listen in to two people have a chat. Interesting. Uh, and Spencer on 4BC weekends, 9 until 1 <gasps> o'clock. <laughs> the great man. Doesn't miss a cross-promotion, everyone. Well done. Coming up, detail. well, they promote us a lot, so <laughs> it's a bit of give and take. Coming up, details on what the biggest stars on TV and radio are earning, plus American TV adopts the Aussie model for reality TV shows, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV binge box, and I believe Robbo actually did <gasps> some homework. What? <laughs> Well, the US is taking its lead from Australia, extending Survivor and The Amazing Race to 90-minute episodes. Traditionally, the American version of these shows were still only one hour. It is speculated to be in a response to the current US writer strike, filling their programming with more unscripted television. Abby, the poor Yanks. You know, it is so hard to keep up with reality TV in Australia because Mm -hmm. they want the budgets and every dollar to go further so we get 90-minute episodes. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to suffer as well. I hate this because also I think this also then gives Australian produces the permission to go a little bit longer as well. Oh, God, no. Like it's oh, just going to keep. You think Maps is going to be two hour yeah, episodes which some, it Sometimes it, it already is. Sometimes. is. Yeah. Like it is insane. I hate it. I miss so badly the 60 minute time slot when it was put online without ads. It was then 45 minutes. Like mm. I love that. I like, and I really like reality TV, but I find it really, really hard to watch sometimes. I would much prefer a show run for an extra two or three weeks and have shorter episodes than have these massive marathons, especially, like, back when Maths and Survival were on at the same time. And like Mulk said, some of those episodes were two hours. That's four hours of content a night Mm. that I'm trying to watch. Like, it was insane, and I just, I hate this. I can't do it. 
I, I can. Yeah, that's why I can't keep up sometimes. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and, and that, that that's a fair reflection. I, I just I think we need to cool our jets a little bit. This is Whoa. absolutely in relation to the writer's strike. Absolutely. And they've seen that it works over here, no, so that's well, why they're not afraid to yes try Yes and no, but they're not copying us entirely. They're just doing one episode at 90 minutes, not three or four a week at 90 minutes. That's where and it that's starts. That's the critical they're not difference. Trialing it, mate. This is no, a trial. they're not, that's where no. it starts. And it I can gets promise worse. you that American audiences will outright reject their, you know, mm-hmm. the, the networks that do this because they are they have spent their entire time on air getting uh, getting the audience used to this night is, you know, this drama night. This night is these, you know, this yep. is our comedy night. This They can try and rebadge it. The audience will go, screw you guys, we are off to the streamers. That's what will happen, and they will suddenly experience a lot of the very direct pain that the Australian free-to-air networks are feeling. Going to 90 Minutes is a writer strike, knee-jerk, and nothing more. Okay. It's the price of fame, but actor Cillian Murphy has shared his outrage at being photographed. Speaking to Rolling Stone, the Peaky Blinders star said, you can be walking down the street and someone takes a picture like this is an effing event. I don't like being photographed by people. I find that offensive. He went on to say, I think that's the way. The best people are. They're not doing it for any other reason but the love of the craft (coughs) and money. They have a compulsion to make work, not be famous or get attention. (gasps) Cry me a river! No, no, hey, 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 hey. No accents, no singing. That's how it works, Rob. No accents, no singing. What do you mean? Everyone, just go back 15 seconds and you'll understand what I mean. No, that was Justin Timberlake, Mock. He was a special guest. Oh, of course. Wow, he just flew in because yeah. he does it for the love of the craft. Exactly. Guys, 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 hold on, hold on for a minute. Can I just say from the other side, um, you know, obviously I've been on television before. Uh, and, you know, when I'm walking in the street and the Bunbury Mail or the Port Augusta <laughs> citizen uh, tries to photograph me while I'm eating a sausage roll, that's tough stuff. You know, that's that's really hard. Sorry, um, obviously... I've seen that happen. They've been yeah. photographing another event and you're like, I'm Robbo from Studio 10. Take well, a photo. Well, well, well oh, weirdly, right. I was going to say, weirdly, I was going to say, I'd, I'd organise for them to be there. Uh, and obviously, that's, that's <laughs> tough stuff for me. This guy needs to cry me a river. If you do not want... Cry I, I, a river. This is a thing that blows my mind where people go, oh, my God, I'm just trying to, like, live a private life. But I have I have fought, I have tried so hard to be in the public eye for the past 15 years. No one is born at a news desk. No one is born in front of a camera. You have tried your best to get no, no, to that Robert, point. He's doing it for the arts. So apparently this... this this guy doesn't want to be paid. He'll oh, do it for right. free. I'm yep. sure he's mm. never had an agent try to get his no, no. Uh, rate hey, hey, hey. increased. Co- of, of he course does not. it for the craft. He does it at the Bunbury Local uh, Theatre Association. That's where he's doing it. <laughs> he loves it. Weirdly, he's also tried to do it at Hollywood. He's tried to do it in London. <laughs> this is the absolute rubbish. It's it's it, you know, and, and everyone does this. When they reach a certain point, this is what I was saying before, no one is born at a news desk. No one is born in front of a camera. They have tried their best and their hardest to get to that point. It Correct. seems, though, when they get to that point, they're like, oh, God, guys, I don't want the intent. Like, guys, I'm just trying to do a job here. What a load of shit. They have Look. walked into, wait, they have walked into, they have knocked on the doors of news directors around the network, around the country, at different networks. They have begged and pleaded, please, let me do updates at night time. Let me, <laughs> let, me do, let me do all of this. That's what they want. This is the this is the truth, though. So this idea where they go, oh, I don't want to be famous. I don't want all this. Is absolute bloody horseshit. 
And true, that's what annoys me about everything. They have tried their hardest to be there. What a load of shit. Can I tell one of my favourite Robbo stories? Um, it was Robbo getting recognised. It was Robbo getting recognised. We were at a um, local Chinese restaurant on the Sunshine Coast where they go pick up Chinese for the family. And Robbo's in, like, I think you were in board shorts and I think bare feet as well with, like, a shirt that hadn't been washed in days. And we're waiting to pick up the Chinese and this person just walks on over. Oh, hi, are you Robbo? And I will say Robbo was very lovely and very happy to be photographed and... And was not complaining <laughs> like Sully and Murphy. So he he practices what he preaches. I think he, he quoted Sally Robert. Field, didn't he? Oh, you you like me. me. You really <laughs> like me. <laughs> can, can I be the lone voice that asks the obvious question? Are people, no. once they be, Following okay. the huge news. Are people not allowed their privacy? Because no, ultimately... This yes, is not are. about... You both said different things to that. I know, it's great. <laughs> no, in their home they're allowed their correct. privacy. Correct. People can't correct. go up and knock on their door. But when you're in the street yep. and someone just wants to get a photo with yep. you and say hello because yeah. they recognise you yep. off the TV, yep. there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's not time. about that, though. <laughs> I think this is about the paparazzi that sit across from, you know, restaurant because either they have been tipped off by management or whatever or they're just there because they know it's a regular haunt don't go to a restaurant to get... on hollywood boulevard but there are there are more restaurants than that and there are people people with iphones are getting in on the game it's not just paparazzi that maybe made a then, job out of mo- being mo- dicks mo- with big cameras and lenses no, no, i've got the solution hit me Robert. don't be a freaking actor don't be on air no this be is... an now, actor th- just do it at the local community hall. Yeah, Don't correct. do it on Broadway. Don't do it And that's the in... final episode of TV Black Box Friends no, no, because no, 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 no one no, is no. working in the industry anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. This is really important. This is really important. Yes, I understand that I don't think you should have a telephoto lens going into your house, into your bathroom, you know, into your bedroom. I agree with that. But we know the cost of fame. No one going into this. It's not like we're at the beginning of the, 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 the 20th century going, well, what does this mean to be famous? We know what it means to be part of a big studio system, to be part of a celebrity and things like that. We know what that means. So people who are coming into it now going, oh, well, look, I just want to be able to go out and have dinner. Well, then that's what you, that's what you give up. That but is also, what you Robbo, give up. That is the point. Robbo, so if you, you want to be famous, the big bucks, correct. because people care correct. about you as an actor, then don't or do it as a celebrity. Your yes. your um, correct. your fee goes up because people care. If people didn't correct. care, no. they wouldn't be taking your correct. photos, and your value goes down. Correct. Then don't be part of it. No one's forcing you to be part of it. If you correct. want to be a famous singer or, or or movie star or anything, no one is forcing you to be part of it. You know the deal you know what yeah. happens when you be famous and you know what happens when you get the big bucks you know what happens when you get all of the free stuff this is what happens do not bitch about it after the fact uh, final abby. word to abby i am 50 50 with mulk and robo so i understand what you're saying robo and i agree but mulk i also agree with in that yes we know on paper what it's going to be like if we become an a-list celebrity i think Knowing that from the outside and experiencing it firsthand are two very different things, and it's I think it's not a big deal. Uh, s- seriously, speaking from personal is. experience, it's no, not. It's no. fine. Oh I think we have to allow the space for people to change their minds as well and to uh, yeah. regret it in a sense and like wish that they didn't they go can into regret it. Because it but he's going off like an idiot. Oh, I do think his statement was a bit wanky. Like, oh, this is what the good ones do. I was like, all right, settle down. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I do think we can still have a little bit of sympathy for people. 
All right. Well, speaking of wages, following the huge news that radio host Ray Hadley has done a $9 million contract for the next three years, as reported by the Australian Media Diary, well, they've also revealed the other top earners at the Nine Network and other places. Focusing on the TV stars, Hamish Blake is at the top on $2 million per year for Lego Masters. Next on the list at $1.5 is today co-host Kyle Stefanovic, Alison Langdon on ACA and Scott Cam for The Block. In the next tier down, between 1 million and 1.2 is Andy Lee for the 100 and Liz Hayes. Peter Overton, the Sydney newsreader, is bringing in between 900,000 and 1 million for his evening news bulletin. Sophie Monk and Sarah Arbo are both at around the 800,000 mark. Um, it's interesting there was a comparison here, Abby, with radio wages. Ray on a 9 million, so essentially 3 million per year if the reports mm. are to be believed. Um, and there were some other radio presenters in the Nine Network stable that were mentioned. The simple fact is radio stars get paid more mm-hmm. because um, fewer overheads. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they yeah. really are the star, whereas with a TV show, the executive producer plays an important role, the producers, the control room crew, the lighting, Cameras. the makeup. There's so many more overheads, which is why TV people don't get paid as much. It's It's why... TV stars will leave TV for radio. Mm. And I want to make one point about that article. Mm. I still, to this day, refuse to, be listed? Refuse to believe Lisa Wilkinson was I knew on $2 you were million say that. Dollars a year at Channel 10. No, I, I refuse to believe it. I want to say to that, well, what you, that's really interesting about the radio and TV comparisons. I hadn't thought of it like that before. But in saying that, like if Ray Hadley's on $3 million a year, Hamish Blake's on $2 million a year for a show that's on air for four weeks. That, like, blew my mind. And I love Hamish He'd Blake. He'd be on a network It'll contract, be a which means yeah, he's yeah. not just on Lego Masters. He's he can't a be on anything star. outside of nine. Yeah, but he's, he's not actively working every single day at the network. Well, Mate, he, might he doesn't be on a need to. Let me tell you, that oh, no, $2 million I, bucks I, is going into overseas trips and more Lego. 100%. And, like, I love Hamish Blake. It's not at all me having a go at him. Mm. But I was actually quite shocked by that, that someone, that he's on $2 million and is on air for four weeks out of the year when Carl Stefanovic's on air every single day, well, every single weekday. Pete's um, on every weekday, right? And he's yeah. getting, like, 900K, like, mm-hmm. out. It's, it's a sign of good management, like, that the people that are getting the big money have good managers, like, that they're able to negotiate on their behalf. And here's the difference, right? Hamish Blake is an excellent bloke who does can turn his hand to just about anything on television, and we've seen that, and, and he's worth every cent of the $2 bucks that Nine paid to keep him theirs. If Ray Hadley didn't have the record that he has in radio, he would not be getting $3 bucks a year, allegedly. Like, you live well, and but, die. But that's right. He is number one in Sydney, has been for, what, sure. 149, 100 and, yeah, I think it's 149 surveys in a row. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. And like, if, if it was, like, two, he's not getting three million bucks a year. Correct. Um, and that can be evidenced by some of the other people, and big shout-out to Ben Fordham, friend of the show. Um, that's not to say Ben doesn't do a great job. Ben just doesn't have the record of Ray Hadley, and he will acknowledge that, I'm sure. Um, that's the challenge in the midst of this around the numbers i would i would offer and look this is where you can call me a socialist three million bucks a year to talk on radio is too much money no it's not not if they get commercial value from it and he drives revenue and ratings here's the simple fact these days they're not doing anyone a favor tom malone at nine radio mm. isn't saying raise a good bloke i'm gonna give Let's him give 50k right yeah, I agree with that. tom malone and and nine are making that decision because it's commercially viable and 
they obviously make enough money from having Ray on the station to cover those costs and then some. So it's worth the investment. And and I, I don't think it is a problem. Talent should be paid. And if they're driving results for a company, why shouldn't they be paid for that? I have no problem with this. I'm happy for everyone to earn as much as they possibly can. Except CEOs on 20 million. That's when I started. Oh, hang on. That's, so now there is an exception. Every, yeah, everyone everyone has a line. My parents and I talk about this all the time. Everyone has a line Even of where show? that is too much money, right? So you mm. two are just on different lines. Actually, I take it back if the company's willing to pay for that uh, because Alan they Joyce. believe that person Alan Joyce a, is on reportedly obscene money as the CEO of Yeah, but Qantas. Qantas obviously thought he did a good job. Sure. And the shareholders seem to be backing it. He's obviously stepping away soon, but he's yeah. been on obscene money yeah. as the CEO of Australia. But you know airline. what? I, ta- I genuinely take back my earlier statement. Everybody should earn whatever they can. But I think I do get where Malk's coming from in market, looking, right? looking at entertainment yeah. salaries can be a bit... A bit out, disheartening, out I guess. Yes, out of the ordinary. A bit elitist, a bit disheartening when there a are bit. lots of people in the world. How, that are, how many that people are that listen to Ray Hadley are going to earn three million dollars yeah. a year? None except Ray. Hmm. Mm. You don't know that actually. I, I think overall entertainment salaries are a bit different than what you might think. But overall, we like it's a fact. Entertainment salaries oh. are far above the average sure. salary. But but. We come back to the story we just talked about, right? An entertainer should be uh, recompensed for having to deal with people down the street, right? They should get, and you know, I, I as a producer, I can walk away from my job, go down the shops at Coles in my boardies and my T-shirt, nobody cares. Particularly but a presenter... Producer. Can't do that because they might be an iPhone. They people are going to say hello, and you and this is a consideration when you go out go out of the well, house. Part of the challenge, Rob, I absolutely appreciate is that they while and Hamish is a bad example, but let's use him. Two million dollars <laughs> for four to five weeks filming, and it's a little bit more than that. But you know, let's even be generous and call it eight weeks that he works. Part of the issue for people that work in television is that might be their only gig for the year, so the money that they need to get to make that function has to be able to, and connected to their their audience pulling power and their commercial viability and all of those things. It's why we see particularly so many actors have second jobs that are waiting, construction, just bits of whatever it is to earn cash in between the gigs because there are so few full-time acting gigs within Australia that they need to have. And and then you see once yeah. a year, without fail, the, the paparazzi story of here's Vince Colosimo as a chippy mm. or here's someone doing a this because they have to work. Just because they're on your television doesn't mean they get mega, mega, mega bucks. I, I agree with that, but... Uh- but that's how it is. When they're doing that work, they get a great pay. I do I do think there is a wider conversation to be had, not right now, about entertainment salaries in general. Yeah. I um a TV friend of mine who I will not name and shame, but who may be on this podcast, once said to me that <laughs> TV people aren't saving lives, right? So, Rob, you said that people need to be compensated for the fact that they can't walk down the street, yet nurses are making no money, for example, things like that. Mm. Like, yeah, they're not... but we all want nurses to make money, but it's an argument that doesn't hold because um, nurses can't do what Carl Stefanovic does. <laughs> I Mate, would argue I that Carl Stefanovic that, can't do around, what nurses sure. do. No, there are, there are lots, because here's the simple fact, and sorry, I, 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 I know I'm going to sound like an arsehole when I say this, but this is the fact. <laughs> there are lots of nurses, right? You can go 
to uni, you can learn how to nurse, you can train up, and then you get your on-the-job training. Being a presenter, being natural in front of the camera, being able to read auto cues seamlessly, do interviews, and, and connect with an audience, that is not something you can learn. Yes, you evolve your skills the more you do it, but it is a unique talent. And that is why a Carl Stefanovic gets $1.5 million a year, because he can do that. And they believe he can drive audience. If they take Carl out, who do they put in? There isn't an heir apparent, and it becomes a harder proposition. And this is why people in the entertainment industry absolutely deserve that money, because it's a specialised field. Nursing is a great field. Saving lives, That was just one example, agree. obviously. There's lots of others. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but I, I agree with that. But it's a different kind of specialisation that makes money. Nine would love to pay Carl Stefanovic 100 grand a year if they could get away with it. But they need to pay him that 1.5 to keep him and bring ratings and, more importantly, revenue. I get what you mean. I just, I can understand why it can be hard for some people to stomach. No. This is the problem with post-consumerism. This is right where we are right in the middle of this, where we, we can justify giving somebody who sits on a chair and, you know, tells us, you know, what's going on for three and a half hours every morning. Uh, we can justify giving him one and a half million bucks or whatever it is, but we, we as a society can't come up with better wages and conditions for teachers and nurses who shape and form and save lives every day. You know what? We're a TV podcast. Let's not sure. get into the social issues because, um, you no, know, no, we I, can't and I solve the problems that. of the world. I acknowledge that. I'm just saying this is reflective of the post-consumerist society that we find ourselves in. Okay, it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching this week. Abby, what's tickled your fancy? Um, so I watched Class of 07 on Prime Video, which I know Great. both Rob and Malk you have recommended. Great um, series. I. I did like it. It was fun. The first six episodes are great. Then it goes a bit wonky. I I, I mean, I I was pretty consistently into it the whole time. The one thing that really bothered me and actually like put a massive cloud over how I enjoyed Mm. the show was the accents. Why we like, we have this Australian show and it's on all Australian cast as far as I'm aware. Why are these people putting on American accents in like every couple of words? It were was they? yeah, especially the actress who played uh, Teresa, and there were two others who did a little bit. But Teresa, I even I googled it afterwards because I was like, other people must be talking about this, and there was a whole Reddit thread about it of people just saying it ruined the show for them. I could, it's it's just one of my pet peeves when accents are bad. Um, similarly, the Australian putting on the American, like playing the American character, but oh, yeah. with a terrible yeah. accent. Accent for me, wasn't she? who knows it was terrible (laughs) you couldn't even tell I could be completely wrong there it's just something popped into my head it was just an Australian putting on a foreign accent was as far as I know (laughs) and yeah that like I did like the show and if though I know it's only a minor thing but accents for me are just something that I really really important Mm. and the other one I watched which I'm so disappointed I kind of want to cry I did actually cry after it the I've only watched the first episode, so I will give mm-hmm. it more time. But the new season of Queer Eye, Ugh. which I why did you want to cry? Because they're gay. I'm she didn't realise they were gay. She uh. hates gays. <laughs> spoilers! 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 <laughs> um, no, so I love Queer Eye. Like in my top five favorite shows of all time. Like really, like deeply, deeply means a lot to me. Love that show. 
One of the things I love about that show, which in this in the first episode of the new season they seem to have gone against, is that it's very positive and non-judgmental and that it's there to help these people. Which is people not the gay and... way. Gays are bitchy and judgmental, aren't they, Dolph? <laughs> no, but that's what I love about yeah. it, that it, it's so nice. And Too in nice. this first episode, they were kind of mean. Uh-huh. And I was watching it and I was just like, why have we gone in this direction? It was a bit of a different episode in that they were doing a frat house. Usually they do like an individual person, but they were doing a frat house. So maybe they were just trying to like be funny and like, but they were kind of mean. They were going to their house and they were like, this is disgusting. Like how do you, and I was just like, Oh, that's not what I watched this show for. Um, So I'm hoping that isn't a consistent thing throughout the season. I will keep watching it, but I was, and it had some really beautiful moments as well. Like it usually does. But I just, yeah, it made me really If Hollywood sad. has taught us anything and it hasn't, it's that frat houses are stinky cesspits. Do you know what, Mock? I want to take issue with you. I learnt the word eclectic thanks to Hollywood and that was Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. She used the word eclectic and I've never forgotten it. follow him. Excellent. That's great. Follow him wherever. Anyway, I have been watching <laughs> 10 Pound Poms on Stan. I really like this. I think it's a fun little show. It's interesting, got good characters, a good storyline, and I'm a fan. And it's streaming now on What's Stan. It, What's it about? What does that mean? 10 pound POM? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Give us a little bit more. So, back in the uh-huh. 50s, POM, some, some English people used to pay 10 pounds to come out. Well, they were called pot 10 pound I like how you tried to pull back. So, they'd from come that. out, then they'd have to work and, and build their life here. But, yeah, they'd get passage for £10. Wait, come, wait, come out where? From the From UK to the UK Australia. to Australia. I thought you meant come out as gay and they were calling them pongs. And I was like, this <laughs> is they, a bit They get paid £10. Holy pounds. crap. Jeez, I'd do that now. It's like a slur, yeah. pong. Right. Oh, the kids today pong. need a little bit of education. <laughs> what does pong right. stand for, Rob? Um, I actually don't know, but I know it's, uh, is it pissing or something? <laughs> I like how you looked at the audio cue, though. You looked really intently at the audio cue, hoping that the producers in the control room would say, mate, this is what we're typing up. This is what it means. You looked really, oh, my God. Because, you know, an English shower is when you pee into the fan. A golden shower, an English shower. Yeah, what does Pom say? What are you talking about? It has nothing to do with pissing. Is this making the episode even now? What is going on? This This is is a true thing. Mog, you once told me Sydney was not called Sin City, right? Abby, let's get some clarification. What does POMS mean? Um, so it means prisoner of Mother England or prisoner of Her Majesty. Oh, we're all there. Ah, so We've it was all been prisoner of a queen, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> High five, everyone. High five to everyone listening. Um, <laughs> seriously, have you guys never heard the, that the English shower themselves by pissing into a fan? No. 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 Not once ever and I'm nearly 50. I, uh, uh, Google it, kids. Uh, or yeah, don't. Careful, Maybe put yeah. safe yeah. search on. Yeah. No. You'll never see mate. anything. You'll never see anything. Um, all right. The the second one I've watched oh, was at the cinema. John Farnham's oh, Finding the Voice. This. I want to watch this so bad. Yeah. Really, really yeah. good. I cried. Oh, I want to watch this. It is a fascinating tale and, and really... We all love him for, you know, he's Sadie the Cleaning Lady, but it pretty much destroyed his career for a while there. Wow. How uh, old are Abby, you? you don't know Sadie like, the Cleaning Lady? I, I feel like I'm on a bad trip or something. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, God. Oh. You know who John no, Farnham no, is? I... Yeah, you're the voice. And yes. he was on Home and Away one episode. He surprised Sally when she was sick in bed. Yes, and mm. he's saying help to her. Oh. Ooh. 
Don't know Sadie the Cleaning Lady, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) But his first hit single was Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Everybody, Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Sorry, I was trying to harmonise. Don't fall into the trap, Abby. Don't. You know what it's like being on a podcast where everyone doubts you and as soon as they Google, they actually find out you're right. No one doubted you, Rob. Just that you're pitching at a demographic largely that is not Abby. There's no way she should know that John Farnham sang Sadie the Cleaning Lady. No way. What'd you watch? Uh, it was really good, Robbo. Yes. Um, one of my little criticisms, because it had some fascinating tales, even how um, uh, Whispering Jack was recorded and, and You're the Voice and how it all came together, um, and his time with Little River Band, oh, yes. which did not go well. Controversial time with Little River Band, yes. Yeah. Watch this. Um, it was an authorised biopic. Yep, yep. And I felt that we didn't really connect mm. with John as a person. Now, look, having said that, they talked about his depression and the times when he was in the fetal position, and so it was honest on that front. And, you know, you really got a sense of the friendship between John and Glenn Wheatley. Uh, yeah. And Gaynor Wheatley took over when Glenn died. But yeah. there's interviews with um, Olivia Newton-John in it. Um, right, it, it seems like she's voiceover but it it seems like it was not long before she passed away. Sure. Glenn Wheatley does interviews and... Um, Barry Humphreys uh, pops uh, up as well. No. <laughs> um, and one of the things that got me, Robbo, was that I just felt it didn't delve enough into his personality and his family. Which is always the problem when you've got an authorised um, yes. documentary. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it does a disservice to the person who's authorised it. Um, we want to know that stuff. We already love John Farnham. I would, yeah. I would hesitate to say that there's nothing in his um, timeline that we would all of a sudden go, we don't like you. But it really does make it connect with people, especially now we want to know what's happening with him, especially since his jaw surgery. Um, we we mm, want to connect yeah. more and more with this man. We know that these people aren't perfect. So let us in a little bit on what's going and on. And there's with some them. of that. Yeah. There, look, there is some of that. And look, one of his kids does say, of course, the irony: the voice gets mouth cancer. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's a very good point. Um, look, I, I we're we're going on a tangent here because it's a really really good doco. How unlikely. Um, and and I genuinely cried. I, I cried during mm-hmm. it. So definitely worth the and, watch. And also, can I tie it back to TV? He was a fantastic talent. For every oh, TV hey, show, hey. but every TV show on every yeah. network in any way every that you appearance. could think of, Agreed. he was a great singer, but bloody yeah. hell, he was a great talent on TV shows. Yeah. So John Farnham, a great singer for Australia, but also a great talent across television and across the heyday yeah. and the golden years of TV. Yes, agree. And Robbo, I believe that you've actually done some homework this week. What, what, what? Watch yeah, some television. Yeah, guys, I I, look, I don't want the uh, the accolades, I don't want the crowns, but I do want to be called <laughs> the Empress of Russia because I'm talking about <laughs> The Great on Stand. Season three has hit. Um, this is a fantastic show. I love this show. This is written mostly and created by uh, Tony McNamara, which wrote a play in 2008 mm-hmm. uh, of the same name. Um, it is uh, apparently uh, what Hulu like to call it was anti-historical. So they take little bits of history and put it together this turns the period drama and comedy on its head it is fan 
fantastic. Season three uh, is out now. You can watch all the other seasons, obviously, on uh, on Stan. The great thing is, I want to say this, though. Belinda Bromelau is an actress. She plays Aunt Elizabeth in The Great. She actually auditioned for the same role in the play and was uh, kicked back. She wasn't allowed to do it, but she is She's wonderful. Tony McNamara's wife. Correct, darling, and that's what I was about to say. So thank you for reading my auto cue there. Uh, but that <laughs> is fantastic. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, she is fantastic in this role. This is a great show if you just want to hear things that you wouldn't normally hear in a period drama. If I could leave you with this, it's the only show I watch because it's the only show worth watching. Let me tell you that for free right Ooh. now. Um, but this, you, you don't get this kind of talk or this kind of scripting on any other show. Let me read this to you. This is what uh, Peter said. Your mother has a silver tongue, Paul, as do I, both in wit and on the clit. That's fantastic writing. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. It is fantastic. Uh, the great, uh, the season three right now on Stan. Watch it. You'll love it. <laughs> Mark, bring us home. Yeah. What have you been watching? Well, given I wasn't here last week, I've got four shows no. to tell you about. I'll start with uh, the first of them. <laughs> uh, look, uh, we're, we're in the death throes of succession. On binge and Foxtel, with the which third I just last. started watching. Mog, I'm on. I've watched one and a half episodes. <laughs> it is as great as everyone says, and I hate yes. the fact I haven't watched it earlier. You got a lot of catching up to do. I do. Uh, and and I've just been. I, I there was a significant event that happens this season that I thought it was a bold move for it to happen, and yet it made sense in the context of the show. And that all comes to f- that all comes full circle in next week's episode, and I cannot wait to see how it all plays together, and then what the aftermath is in the final episode the week later. So mm. we are it's it's tapered perfectly, like it is ready to run the hundred meter sprint in a world record time. They've done a phenomenal job with Succession. I'm so so happy, and I always get just a li- it tickles my fancy because I appreciate that executive producer credits do get handed out for people that just pony up cash. I understand that that's how that functions, honestly. And every week when the opening credits roll to see Adam McKay and uh, Will Ferrell's name as executive yeah. producer, it just makes me smile. <laughs> yes, just I makes agree me smile. with that. Yes, Because yes. this is... <laughs> Love it. There is nothing comedy about Succession, and yet there is so much about it that is amazing and, and even has some great comedy in it. So, I look, do your McKnight if you need to. And start from the beginning and try and catch up. But, mate, we are in for a blistering ride for these last two episodes. And I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, What's your second one? They're on Binge and on Foxtel. Now, I was going going to tell you about The Muppets Mayhem. I loved it, but I won't tell you that. Um, Instead, (laughs) I'm going to talk about... I want to hear what that is. That's what I no, was trying to do. That I'll was his show I'll number cut two. It out. It's fine. He's not, he's not circumventing the rules. Oh, come on. Oh, got, look, look, Bianca Stone reached out to me and listened to hear all the way through. She listened to the binge box <laughs> and sent me a personal message and said how rude you were to me every time. It's you outrageous. know, I, I saw her the other day mm. and she mentioned that she'd heard you reference her. And mm-hmm. I said, did you not hear the other week when we talked about the whole fact you don't listen to the binge box? And she said, oh, no, I only heard last week's because I was still on my walk and it was still playing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was what she told me. It's, 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 uh, it, and hello, Bianca, we hope you, that you've walked a bit longer today as well. Oh, there's no point. She, she won't be hearing this. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Uh, the, the, the show I do want to tell you about is on SBS. It started Thursday night this week. 
and it continues first two episodes and the second two episodes will air sorry thursday night last week the second two episodes will air thursday night this week i was fortunate enough to attend uh the preview of the first episode on tuesday last week which is why i was not on the podcast it's called safe home a four-part drama series about family violence and it is scripted it is as you would expect based out of reality you know, the stories that are represented are not one person's story, but come from, you know, peop- the, the writing team and particularly the creator uh, having spent time working for a family violence phone support service network um, and legal service. And, and, and I, it was just, it was a gut punch, um, both from the content uh, as far as what it represented also for the performances, which were just uncompromising. They did not hide anybody from any part of the horror that is um, people who are victims of uh, family violence. The The fact that they made a point of highlighting that is not only and certainly not always male to female family violence there, there can be issues where it's female to female or even female to male family violence um and not even in partners it can be parent to child and all of that sort of thing it it was like all four episodes are on sbs on demand right now they have built an entire sub part of their website that has a whole bunch of resources if you are a high school teacher and you want to talk about it or you want to connect or, or even just find ways to encourage friends that you know that might be in fraught situations to talk about it it's a tough watch there is nothing easy about this and the performances from people like um Aisha D and Virginia Gay are top, top notch. Full congratulations to Julie Eckersley for commissioning this at SBS. It is the kind of TV that we do so brilliantly in Australia yeah. that we should be making more of. And, and hopefully this. it even has the yeah, I'm gonna watch it, it even has the benefit that, very that good. it may change <laughs> some lives and, and encourage some people to get some help gobsmacking it's just so freaking good and it is not let's sit down and enjoy ourselves for four hours it's i've felt viscerally just moved by everything that went on in the four episodes it was incredible all right thank you mulk uh, a worthy one to watch all right that brings us to the end of this week's edition of tv black box for all the latest information, exclusives and, you know, basically water cooler talk, go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. Abby, Malk and Robbo, thank you very oh, much. That's, we'll see. That's, that's <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't it's think it, you know. <laughs> wow. No, what happened, I started going around the Zoom and I went, Abby, Malk and, and I went to do Malk again. No, that's, that's, that's what that's happened. Okay. If you need to know, if you need to know how my brain works. <laughs> that's all right, anyway. Abby Malkin, what's his name? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Robert We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.